I'm excited about this. Um, I'm always excited for every series, right? I will say I'm excited about this series, and then, but I am. I, I am actually <laughs> quite excited. Um, you might ask why, because I wish I was on the river. Um, well, not really. I'm actually yes. I wish I was there because it's probably it looks kind of tropical a little bit. But anyways, besides uh, you know my Caribbean dreams of being there, but um, it, I, I think there is something refreshing about this picture, right? Um, we are beings that are in need of water. We are actually more in need of water than we are of food. Do you know that your body could only survive? without water about three days. If you don't drink any kind of liquid for about three days, you're probably gonna go to the hospital, most likely. Think about that. Water is so essential for survival. With food, you can go even months sometimes without food. But without water, that's a different story. Right? That's how essential for your body is water. But it's refreshing. It also cleanses you on the outside. Right? It brings, it, it cleanses you from all sorts of bacteria and virus and, and dirt, you know. Uh, if you don't take showers regularly, you might catch a virus. You might catch some sort of, you know, thing that is not going to be good for your body. Um, it is refreshing. It is essential for living. Uh, and, and that's just water. There, there's so much into water, you know, and I think it, it is not just for us today, but it was for all of us centuries and millennia ago. And, 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 and that's why I want to focus on it, because there is something about the waters and the season within the Christian church. Right. And, and as I said, the, the title of our series, which I'm very excited, is a, it's a Lent series, A Journey to the Waters. We're joining to the waters of baptism. Again, that doesn't, it, it does not discriminate where you are in your faith journey. It doesn't mean that if you've gone through them or you haven't gone through them at all, it doesn't mean that, oh, maybe that's, this message is not for me. It's, it's for all of us because there, there is a continual refreshment that comes from the waters of baptism. So this Lenten season, as some of you might know, it started this past Wednesday on Ash Wednesday. For those that are part of our WhatsApp chat, uh, I sent out a, a, a reflection, if you may, about Ash Wednesday. Hopefully you went through it. If not, you can always go back to it. Uh, but it, it kind of gives you an idea of what Ash Wednesday is all about. Right, and it starts 40 days, not counting weekends, before, right, before Easter, which is the resurrection day, the actual day where Jesus was resurrected from the death. And traditionally in the church, right, the, the Lent journey starts then, and there is a sense of what? Of, of repentance, a sense of, of our mortality as humans. And, and then on that season, traditionally, we see Obviously, um, the church has taken a stance of preparing yourself for baptism on Easter. So baptism is it's, it's sort of traditional in the, in the church for millennia even now um, um, on, on having a baptism service on Easter Sunday, the resurrection. We'll, we'll get a little more into that. But again, um, this Lenten season, we'll be starting uh, a new series, again, called Lenten Journey to the Waters. 
Um, so, uh, 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 traditionally, Christians have gotten baptized on Easter Day, undergoing a series of preparations during the Lenten season so that their hearts may be ready for the waters of baptism on Easter Day. What is Easter Day? Resurrection Day. In, in baptism, and this is very important, we die to self and sin with Christ in his crucifixion that's into the waters that represents that and resurrect into new life in his resurrection that's up from the waters. So either if you have gone through baptism or are considering taking this step of obedience as a follower of Jesus, I invite you to reflect this Lenten season and the journey towards the waters. Now, this Lenten season, there is traditional invitation to reflect on our mortality and sinful nature, to become aware of our need of Jesus. Through this teaching series, we will be focusing on different biblical themes related to the journey to the waters of baptism and its importance as a sacrament within the Christian church. And what are these five themes that I found that are related to baptism? The first one is repentance, which we're going to look at today. Number two, faith. Number three, newness. Four, unity. And five, life and death ideals or simply life. Today we'll focus on repentance and how this act is necessary in the journey towards the water. But first let us look at some definitions that are important before we jump into today's passage and theme of repentance. I'll give you a little background here. Um, what is a sacrament? Right? Baptism is considered a sacrament within the church. But what is a sacrament? A sacrament, just as the Lord's Supper, which we do the first Sunday of the month. If you remember, the first Sunday of the month, we come together and we share the Lord's Supper. That's also a sacrament. And then baptism. So most of churches, actually, I will say all Christian churches, overarching, they, regardless if they're Protestant, Orthodox, Catholics, right? They have baptism and the Lord's Supper as a sacrament. Then the Catholics might add some others. Some Protestants sort of have a couple more. But, and then there is some of differing thoughts on, on, on other sacraments. But these two are, are in all of denominations. I haven't heard of any denomination that don't have both of them as sacraments or ordinances, however they, they uh, call it. But what is a sacrament? It's a Christian rite such as baptism or the Eucharist, the Eucharist will be the Lord's Supper, that is believed to have been ordained by Christ. And that is held to be a means of divine grace or to be a sign or symbol of a spiritual reality. A sign or symbol of a spiritual reality. Right? When you take the Lord's Supper... There is a symbol of a spiritual reality when you, when you go undergo the waters of baptism. There is a symbol of a spiritual or a sign of a spiritual reality that it becomes bodily and it manifested physically. So the ordinance, how our denomination, Christian, missionary, Christian and Missionary Alliance, which is our denomination under Protestant uh, church, uh, and, and that's uh, our denomination... Um, calls baptism an ordinance. It's kind of like a sacrament. 
But an, an ordinance is a divine decree. So actually the Alliance World Fellowship, which is the fellowship of all Christian missionary alliances all over the world, which is in many countries, they have these, uh, these, uh, these Alliance World Fellowship, and they state the following about baptism as an ordinance. They say, Jesus introduced water baptism in connection with his great commission on Matthew 28, 19. That's when he sends out the disciples to all nations to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, of the Holy Spirit. That happens on Matthew 28. He said that new disciples were to be baptized in the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now the Alliance believes Jesus meant this to be a permanent practice called an ordinance. Our churches encourage water baptism. Our Alliance churches, and to be honest, all Christian churches do. <laughs> no matter the denomination. Um, water baptism identifies a person as a disciple of Christ and celebrates a passage from an old life into a new life in Christ. Simply stated, and, and I love this quote right here from them. And if you want to stay with something, stay with this. Simply stated, it is an outward sign of an inward change. Simply stated, it is an outward sign of an inward change. Now that we have a better understanding on the meaning of the waters of baptism, let's jump into the passage that Karen read for us. Thank you, Karen. And what he has to say about repentance and its importance of baptism. Now we have an idea of what baptism is. Now our first theme for our journey to the waters, right, is, is repentance. And what repentance has to do with baptism. And you will find that it has a lot to do with it. There is no, there is no baptism if there is no repentance. You must have repentance to have baptism. Right? If you don't have repentance, you cannot have baptism. In, a, in other, other words. Um, so, um, repentance. We see that on verse 4. So on verse 4, it says, um, John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance and the forgiveness uh, of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He proclaimed with his words a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. Of sins. We see here that repentance precedes baptism. This is not the only passage where we see this occurring, by the way. You see it on the Gospels. We see it on the book of Acts, which is the continuation of the disciples continuing the work of Christ after he ascended to heaven, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So it precedes baptism. Repentance precedes baptism. And this is not the only passage where we see this occurring as there in the book of Acts. We see there are multiple, multiple instances where repentance precedes baptism. Peter on chapter 2 says, on Acts chapter 2 says, um, I have it here? No, not yet. It says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, 
in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Verse 38 on chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. It's kind of like almost the same words that Mark, the writer of the, writer of the gospel of Mark, said on chapter, on verse 4, chapter 1. A baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And Peter says here, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. At this point, Peter has declared the good news of Jesus because people were wondering about what was going on. The Holy Spirit just came in power. Many were speaking in different tongues, the wonders of Jesus from different nations. And then he takes that opportunity to preach where 3,000 came to faith. And everyone was like, what should we do? Peter said, get baptized. Go into the waters. That inward change that just happened in your lives. That inward change that you just repented because they repented. Well, what are we going to do? I believe in what you said. I'm, a, I'm evil. I'm sinful. I need Jesus. What should I do? What is the action that I should take? Get baptized. Get baptized. That's what Peter said. Now, on verse 41, it says, 3,000 people responded to this message and were baptized. 3,000 people. So then, so then, what is repentance? So biblical repentance is not just having sincere regret or remorse. If you go to Google or you go to a dictionary, you look repentance. It basically means a regret or a remorse, some sort of feeling of regret, of something that you've done wrong. And then you're like, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. Like that sense of repentance, you know, regret and remorse. But the... Eudman's Bible Dictionary, which looks into the, into the original language, includes the following definition of repentance. And I quote here, In its fullest sense, it is a term for a complete change of orientation involving a judgment upon the past and a deliberate redirection for the future. In its fullest sense, it is a term for a complete change it is a term for a complete change of orientation. It's like 180 degrees. So if you are here with your sin, you've been living in what you're doing. You're living for yourself to get your own worth, right? Fulfilling the void in your heart, not by God's means, but by your own means or what the culture says that you should fill it. And then you're like, no, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to leave trying to fulfill the void of my life with on my own terms. The void of my life was created by God and the Creator can only be filled with the Creator's plan in Christ Jesus. So then you turn around 180, not like a little bit like here because you kind of see, or right, right here, right? No, 90 degrees, 90 degrees, you kind of like what we call lukewarm, kind of like, oh yeah. Well, God spits out the, the lukewarms of the world, right? He wants in them 180 degrees. You're putting your back to what was old. That's what baptism represents. Your cleanse from what was old comes out, you know. And, you know, when, when you come out uh, early on in the church, people will be dressed in white. They will come out. Actually, they will go naked into the waters. We don't, we don't know yet if they have inner garments or not. But it says that they go naked, like fully 
and then they are in living water, they are baptized, they come out, they, they put on a white dress or a white garment, representing that they've been cleansed from all of this right here. And now they're looking into Jesus' gaze and what he has for them. It is a complete reorientation, physical. It is so crazy. I was, I was looking into baptisms back in the old days, about 300, 200 uh, after Christ, right? And, and AD, 150, 200 AD. And, and they said that they would look, they will actually be looking, um, it's, very, it's very physical, you know? We don't see this a lot now, but they will actually look, um, they will look west, because West is what, what happens to the West, which is funny, that's the Western world too. So I wonder if it has to do something to do with that. But the West, right, is where the sun sets. The sun dies. It's related to what? To darkness, right? Is it related to darkness? So they will look into the West because that represents in the physical world darkness, seeing your old self, right? And then they, when they will come out, they will look into the east. That's like sunlight, the east, the, the, the beginning of something new, a new day, right? It's just that how physical the representation within baptism was. Do you understand the inward change bringing you to an outward sign? That's, that's so meaningful. It is a meaningful moment for the believer. So it says that, Involves a judgment upon the past and a deliberate redirection to the future. Because like here, you turn around, you walk into that which God has for you. So it is a little turning away from our sin and redirecting our, word, our gaze towards Jesus and his pathway. True repentance involves a change of heart that will take us to a journey into an outward life of change which in turn will take us to confess and then to the waters of baptism. So first, we see a repentance, right? And then, look at this right here. Luke chapter 5, verses 30 to 32. There is a Christ's mission was to call sinners to repentance. Christ's mission was to call sinners to repentance. You might ask, well, who are sinners? Everyone is a sinner but Jesus. So actually he called everyone. But check these verses out. And I love Jesus, how wise he is and how the way he puts things. He says, and the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? You know, the Pharisees who follow the law. Remember last week we were talking about the Phariseeism and the permissiveness, Right? The Pharisee is like, oh yeah, we gotta, we're holy because of what we do, right? And then they were saying, well, why are you eating with these people that are so permissive on the other spectrum of things, right? Yeah, they do. They are debauchers. They get drunk. They're living in sin. Where are you with them? And then what was Jesus' answer to that? Jesus was among those that were sinners. And they show an outward sign of sin. Of sinfulness. And then he says, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. 
have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. What is Jesus saying here? Does he saying, oh, you guys don't need, you, you guys don't need like a doctor because you're righteous. And so these people need a doctor. So they're in need of repentance. And well, we know that that's not what Jesus meant because Jesus will constantly, you know, in love, like what we call tough love, will call out the Pharisees because they were not living in the way of God. So what Jesus was saying is like, I did not come to call, I, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He's like, I have, I have called, I have come uh, to call those that are aware of their sin, that are aware of their sinfulness, of their awareness of evil, right? The Pharisees didn't, were not aware of their sickness. He's saying like, I have come, to those that are aware of their sickness. All these people here are aware, very much aware of their sickness, right? Because what sickness is to the body, sin is to the soul, right? It was all connected back in those times. They didn't compartmentalize body, soul, spirit, right? What sickness was to the body, sin is to the soul. And, and he's saying, well, I came for those that are sick. And they very much are sick, the Pharisees. They just didn't know it. So they are in a very bad position because they don't even have awareness of their need of Jesus. So in few words, Jesus said, I come for those that are aware of their need of me. I have come to those that are aware of their need of me. And their need of Jesus is repentance because they're like, I'm a sinner. I'm in need of someone that can bring forth peace in my life. And only Jesus can if I'm aware of how bad, of how crazy I am, right? So that's what we see here. And also we see that Jesus commanded the disciples to take this message of repentance to all nations. In Luke 24 to 47, we see that Jesus commands his disciples to go and talk about repentance to the nations, so we see repentance, but after repentance, what happens? Confession. Now we see that on verse 5 here. We see, um, and all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan. What? Confessing their sins. So they repent. They're aware of their need of God. You know, the Pharisees are over there. They're not even aware. And they're like, yeah, you, you, don't, you don't get it. Become aware of your sickness, then come to me. These people are aware of their sickness. That's why I'm hanging out with them. Because they know their need of me. That's why they want to be around me too, says Jesus. And they want to be around them too, because they want to be healed. You don't. Right? There needs to be awareness of your need of God and your repentance. 180 degrees redirection. But for that to happen, that awareness... To become a reality, there needs to be a confession with your words. Even, even uh, Paul says in Romans, if you confess your sins with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved, he says. Right? If you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart. So there's a confession part of thing here. So he says, they were baptized by him, by John the Baptist in the river, Jordan, confessing their sins. So repentance brings people to confession and, and repentance will reveal the state of your sinful heart in such a way that will break your pride 
You will break my pride and take us to confess such things to someone we trust and has a level of spiritual maturity. So it's not, it, it's not enough to confess to God. It's not enough. Why, why do I have to confess to other people? I feel ashamed. You're not ashamed. You're prideful. I'm prideful. That's why we don't say it to people. Shame, what is it? It is a, it is a sneaky pride. Why? Because shame is like, oh yeah, yeah, poor me. Yeah, I did all these things wrong, whatever. And then you're just driving your feet and you're like in a pity party. And it's all about me and it's about me and it's about me and how bad I am and how bad I am and what did I did that wrong, what I did wrong, what that person did wrong to me and what I am so bad. I am not qualified to do that thing because he's so crazy good and I am not and I am this and I am, I am, I am, I am, I am. You're prideful. I'm prideful. How prideful we are. It looks like humility but it's, it's, it is, it is, it is a, a pride that is dressed in humility. It is a pride in its, in its innermost part, but it looks like humility. But it's not. Because it's all about me. Yeah, poor me. Or... Whenever you think of something... That it is too far for you to grasp because you're not good enough. Shame, pride. That is confession. You confess out of true humility. You look for others out of true humility. And you ask before you even come into a conclusion. You say, oh yeah, I have these thoughts. Do you think I'm ever going to be able to attain it? Or I have these thoughts about myself and I don't think I'm good enough. Or I have, these, I, I have done so much sin in my life in the past that I don't think I'm good enough to do this or to do that. Am I in trouble? You're not. Do you realize this thing? Do you realize this? If you have that thought process... You are basically telling Jesus that the cross was not enough. Just think about that for a moment. If you have that kind of thought process, you're saying, Jesus, you're not divine enough to hold into my sin and die for my evil and of the world's. Why? Because... I'm not good enough, I don't have enough, poor me, or whatever, whatever, whatever. I have all, I've done all these things, Pierre. You don't even know how many dark pages in my life I clopped all so much. I have said with all these people, whatever, I don't know. I got drunk, I did drugs, I still do drugs, whatever. I don't work enough. (laughs) I don't know. But if you tell me that, then you're telling me that the cross was not enough and Jesus resurrecting on the cross was not enough. When he had enough power to set you free from that mentality, to take out your gaze from yourself, lifting it up, to look up. Don't 
Some people walk like this. Start walking like this. Not out of pride, out of humility, because He did it for you. There's a difference between sonship and daughtership in Christ Jesus that might look like pride, but it's true humility because you know who you are and you know that if it wasn't for Jesus, you wouldn't be where you're at right now. That was all off script. I didn't even put it here. Probably got it. Okay, so... And this is very important. In the book of James, in the book of James, one of Christ's, you know, uh, people, one of, of those that were uh, uh, in the early church, one of the ones that were part of the Jerusalem council, right? He said in the book of James that if you confess your sins among yourselves, you shall be healed. There is healing that comes He said, if you confess, yes, we see that you have to confess to God. So do that. That's very important. Confess to God in prayer. Vertical is very important. But then confess your sins among yourselves. That you might find healing. Not to any random person. But again, to someone that you trust and has a level of spiritual maturity in their walk with Christ. And there's a lot of people like that here. So, how in the book of James we see that mutual confession brings forth healing. So then we have a repentance that happens. We have a confession that happens in baptism even. Because when you're baptized, people, usually traditionally, people will have a testimony of their encounter with Jesus. Of the life they used to live in sin. And how they found Jesus that time or those times. And even were filled by the Holy Spirit. And now they're taking this step of our sign for the inward change. There is a story that is said right before. But that's why even now it is held in all the baptisms I've seen, no matter where, that unless it's, it's infant baptism. But if it's an adult or even a kid, they will have a testimony that if sometimes is written. They read it out loud for the people to listen. And after that, they are baptized. Right? So, that's, so we see repentance on verse 4. We see confession on verse 5. And then we see water and fire on verse 6 through 8. What do I mean by that? If you read verses 6 through 8, it says, Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So in these verses, John the Baptist talks about how he has baptized with water, but a greater one, Jesus himself, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That is... Fire. In other Gospels, we see that he says, uh, you baptize in fire. He'll baptize in fire. Fire, even on Acts 2, you see that there were tongues of fire on the people, right? When the Holy Spirit came, there were tongues of fire representing the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, in a way, it's, you, it can symbolize fire too. Now, this is not to diminish water baptism, for as Jesus commands the disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
but it simply emphasizes the importance of both immersions. Water baptism is an ordinance that we initiate as believers in obedience to God as an outward sign of an internal and spiritual reality. Remember? That is union with Christ in death and resurrection. That is the inward reality that is outwardly expressed through going in and out. While fire baptism is an experience that God initiates. You see the difference there? Water baptisms we initiate. Fire baptism God initiates. It is He who spontaneously fills us with the Holy Spirit as we are willing to surrender and release control to Him. We talked a lot about that last week, by the way, about holiness set apart, being filled with the Spirit. Fire purifies it rids metals from all its impurity in cleanses and purges. That's when you put stuff in fire, it, it purifies it from all. That's when sort of like when the spirit comes, there is a, a purification that happens inside of us. Redirects us to the things of God. Now we're finishing up the sermon. I'm sorry it took a little longer because that was the whole off script that I wasn't even thinking about. Apologize for that. But not really. So, so then um, after that on verse 9 to 11, we have baptism and identity, right? Uh, now it is important to note uh, in verse 9 through 11, we see here that in those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up to, out of the waters, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. So there is a relationship here between baptism and identity and your, set, your sense of worth. So it is important to know how baptism is tied with identity. As Jesus came up from the waters, the Holy Spirit descended and the Father affirmed the Son in his identity and purpose. Again, an outward expression of an inward reality now affirmed by the Father. So we see how Jesus is baptized in obedience, comes out of the water. God comes and affirms him as a son in his purpose. Right? And now when we are in union with Christ, we become part of the family of Jesus as children of God. Were initiated as sons and daughters. And then finally, we see on the beginning, traditionally, of Lenten season to prepare ourselves to Easter or to baptism, and that's the wilderness. As soon as that happened on verse 12, it says that the Spirit immediately drove him out in the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He's immediately taking into suffering. It's not like all awesome things after that, right? So the beginning of Lenten season is inspired by Christ going into the wilderness after being baptized. It is important to know that not everything is perfect once we turn the corner and become Christians in Christ Jesus, right? Here we see Jesus going into trial, but not as an orphan without the Spirit of God. It's different when you go into trial without God. But he's ready for the battle. He just 
was, was filled by the Spirit. He was just filled in, ba- in the waters of baptism, right? And then he's ready to go. He's not an orphan without the Spirit of God, but rather as one that is filled with the Spirit, walking in his purpose as a son of God. Even then, we know Jesus eventually walked into suffering and death, as you know. All because of us. And now in these seasons, we're invited to reflect on these sufferings. So we see how repentance is so important for this journey to the waters. We see that after repentance, and we turn around, we confess in humility, and we are submerged in water, but also in fire, in the Spirit of God. We understand that we're not orphans, but we're affirmed by the Father as children of God, and we can have true worth, not self-pity, right, anymore, but true humility as children of God, in identity as children, to walk into the wilderness as a child. Well, that's what we've seen today. So Christ's mission was to call sinners to repentance. That is to acknowledge our sinful state and our need of a Savior. This would lead us to a humble state of confession and eventually obedience to walk in the waters of baptism as an act of our obedience to an internal reality. And then we become open to the purging fire of the Spirit to fill us and remind us of our sonship or daughtership. That's what we're filled with the Spirit, to remind us of that. The Spirit reminds us of who we are in Christ. So with this being said, I want to invite you to a time of reflection now. And then a time of prayer as Lara comes in a little bit and do a little bit, little bit of worship. But I just want to invite you to this time of reflection. So... Ready? Ready? I am. I am ready. So if you're not a Christian or not consider yourself a Christian, and I know many of us here don't, that's okay. Has there been a conviction of my evil nature, of my pride? Has there been a conviction? Are you with the the People on Luke, where he was saying about Jesus, like, why are you hanging out with these permissive people over here that, that, that do all this evil? And he says, I came for the sinners. I came for those that are aware of their sickness. If you're not aware of your sickness, I cannot do much. Now, have you become aware of your sickness within your heart called sin, called evil, pride, self-loathing, living for yourself, living for myself? Is there an awareness of that conviction? Now, if you're a Christian, but not baptized into the waters yet, do I have a conviction to obey Christ's ordinance to the church to be baptized as an outward sign of an inward change? And would I be willing to journey in repentance and obedience to the waters of baptism this Easter? Because we're going to have a Easter, some, a baptism service. So, do you have a conviction to be Christ and to the church to be baptized as an outward sign of an inward change? And if a Christian 
but baptized? Do I have a conviction to be baptized or refilled with the purifying fire of the Holy Spirit once more? 